And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Dr. Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. Hi, I'm Thrusha Gudwatna. I'm a cardiology registrar, sub-specialising in coronary intervention. And we have more guests. I mean, we just don't talk to each other anymore, really. We just bring other people to sort of communicate between each other these days, right, Thrusha? But not just yeah. one guest. We've got two guests, two guests today. Okay. So please introduce yourselves. We're so excited for this one. Go for it. Hello, I am Yasmin. I am a HIV and gum reg. My Twitter handle is Yasmin Lee W. Spelled a funky way, but you'll find me, I'm sure. And yeah, that is me. And I'm Lara, perennial student and intermittent podcaster at The Coloured Prescription. That's right, yeah, you have your very own podcast. You're a fellow podcaster, so you know exactly the pains and the tribulations of doing podcasts. When is the next episode coming out, Lara? Let's say by the time (laughs) this one comes out, the next one will be coming out. It's about money, Mm. specifically student finance, student money and medical relations. Wow, wow, there you go. Well, that should be, I mean, I have listened to a few episodes now and I have enjoyed it. But yeah, it's good because I've got quite a short attention span and your one seemed to be, you know, good good 20 minutes, half an hour, bam, you're done. So yeah, we, Thrusha, as always, it's been a fun week, hasn't it, on Twitter? We've got a fair few things to talk about. And uh, we've got some really great guests to be able to help us get through some of these really uh, meaty subjects, I suppose, right? I mean, yeah. where do we go? Where do we start? Well, I guess we start at the beginning. I mean, some of the stuff just kind of fades into the background, but I think there's some interesting topics there. One of the ones from a week ago that's since been deleted, that's how old it is. Oh my gosh, like it must be more than a few days old. There was this topic about kind of the the ethics of wearing scrubs to work and then being, being caught in scrubs or kind of um, hospital wear outdoors. And uh, so there's an infectious diseases nurse, I think, who's kind of tweeting about it and how it's kind of unprofessional, this, that and whatever. And mm. then... Ultimately, when challenged on like the how kind of effective an infection preventing is this measure of like not, not wearing outside of the hospital, essentially it came down to the way that people perceive us in, in the public. And I just wondered, do you guys have, do you, you know, what do you guys think about that? I mean, wearing scrubs outdoors, is it such a bad thing? God, no. I mean, normally because, <laughs> I'll explain, it's normally because if I found scrubs that are big enough to fit my bum into, then uh, that's that's a miracle otherwise i've normally got very small ones and i'm trying to cover it with a large top and i don't want to be seen out in public because yeah the, the scrub the scrub dilemmas have been probably you know one of the hardest things about covid oh. that's, sar- that's sarcasm <laughs> sarcasm don't cancel me but yeah having a large ass and trying to fit them into scrubs has been a problem but no i think it's absolutely bonkers i'm at a trust where literally as you're walking out the door there's a big billboard <laughs> billboard and there's a very grumpy looking woman in scrubs going no and then her in normal clothes being like yeah yeah and I like I roll my eyes every time I go past it wearing my normal clothes that I've been into a clinical area and no one caring about even though I've been in the same clinical area as people that have been wearing scrubs because it's all pointless yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, it is a bit weird, isn't it? I, I mean, where, I remember in med school, Thrush, do you remember this in med school when we did dissection? They were they told us we're not allowed to wear the white coat outside and it would be like breaking the law or something. It was like a really big deal and they made sure that we would not be wearing the white coat outside. And I think ever since that, I've always felt a bit uneasy about sort of leaving leaving the hospital wearing scrubs. I mean, Lara, you're, you're still a student. Do you, do, you, do you find any of these things coming your way? So I have a similar problem to Yasmin in getting scrubs to fit. There's a a particular box that they model scrubs on 
and it, mm. it looks nothing like me. But we also, so one upside of at least where I am at the moment is that it's fairly easy to get scrubs and fairly easy to change out of them. And yeah. they look, mm. they're like so, they're very comfortable and soft, but they yeah. look threadbare. They're not, you know, figs, fashion. Although if you want to sponsor these guys, paying me a discount code yeah I'll, I'll buy it through these guys it's not embroidered like mm, final year shit. like they're not that nice so i wouldn't want to wear them to like a pub or to a friend's house or outside but what is quite useful sometimes it's there's different colored scrubs for different departments so sometimes it's no, nice to use as like an identifier but then it also means if you wear them outside people know who you are like, yeah, true. I, I see you, OG. So wait, have you guys not? Have you guys never taken them and you know used them as pajamas? Is that oh yeah, no, I've got tons at home because oh, of the okay. big bum true. problem. I steal. I I don't even care. I don't. I've stole. I have stolen many pairs of the size that are perfect for me because I spent six months locoming and I was just like, all I do is night shifts and I will be comfortable on all of them. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I'd bring my own scrubs that I had stolen. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was, it's, yeah. I just think fine. I have one scrub pop that's my own that I bought in Samoa when they lost my bag on my way to my elective. And that's like, and it's it's very beautiful and very comfortable, but also mm. like a tent. But yeah, and I'm not going to take that into a clinical area, goddammit. <laughs> I wasn't doing that. A little bit like the stethoscope thing. Like if you're wearing, like especially if you're wearing nice scrubs outside, it's like, why? Just mm. you yeah. can wear your own clothes. I think you can just wear like decent clothes to a clinical setting, and it's like you're fine. But popping over but... to Tesco's is like you know I don't want to have to go through the faff of just like going finding the change rooms, put my clothes on, stash my scrubs somewhere that they won't get stolen because they're like yeah uh, yeah, and then mm. getting coming back getting changed again just because I wanted to buy like a packet of crisps because yeah. the thingy's closed. Like yeah, yeah totally. Uh, I mean, do you think there's any sort of the feeling of like, hey, check me out, I'm a doctor. When you when so, well, I work in the medical profession, if I walk out in scrubs, is that do you think there's any sort of an element of that at all? Oh, I've never thought about it that way, but I'm sure the, that's what people well, do. The students, yeah. in, the students in figs, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason and the reason I mentioned because I remember one of my friends was a year above me, and then I went to visit him when he had a job in central London, and then I think at lunchtime we went to go get a chicken burger, and he he happened to have his stethoscope around his neck, so when he got in, the guy gave us free chicken, and I thought. <gasps> whoa that's awesome man let's see what else we can get and he was like no 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 we can't do that we can't do that but i thought man this thing this thing does have powers maybe maybe it is worth walking around to the chicken shop and getting a get some chicken with a stethoscope around your neck i'll try it yeah yeah i just wear my stethoscope around my house like when i'm brushing my teeth like like a normal like a normal person does right (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. I like to kind of, I like to swing my stethoscope around me like a pair of nunchucks, like I think they're a nice little weapon for a cardiologist. <laughs> so say, I mainly look at penises and vaginas, so my stethoscope is somewhere. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Hopefully not in one of those places. I really hope not, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. I think Thrusha's probably the only one out of us who can actually use a stethoscope, right? Like you can actually hear something. I mean, yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. it's like, well, they were dead to me like very quickly. Oh, the things I can, the things I can surmise using my stethoscope, you would be amazed. It would blow up. All those diastolic murmurs. Oh, heart sounds one, two, three, and four. Yes. Is oh, that gosh. a gallop rhythm I hear? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Let's yeah. make it up, make it up. 
enough. I mean, genuinely, I remember doing those cardiology placement, placements. I did one in Harefield and we had this big shot, silver, yeah. silver-haired guy that was um, teaching us. And he's like, oh, can you hear this? Can you hear this? And oh, none of us could hear anything. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. I, I'm, it's just completely, completely balmy, isn't it? But you know, just because he was a big shot from Harefield, you have to be like, you know what? I, I'm going to take what you say seriously. And thinking, talking about taking things seriously, there was a bit of research that popped up recently. Did we see that? About like the, the, the uh, research paper that came from Bangladesh. Did everyone see that? Does someone want to summarize what yeah. we saw there? Yeah, well, the, I mean, there was a kind of trial that looked at kind of mask wearing, wasn't it? Amongst kind of like populations in Bangladesh. Mm. And then it was kind of, I think it was kind of just generally kind of dismissed by people in the way that it happens when I think people just kind of read the abstract or maybe just even read the title and like, oh, it's a Bangladesh, it doesn't kind of count for anything. But there was this kind of really nice thread by one of the authors of the study, which is just so scathing and kind of, I think it kind of summarizes the kind of, should I say like white supremacy, supremacist kind of like kind of view of the world where if it's not in, generated in the West, it kind of has very little value. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, thing is with, yeah, so basically there was this paper that came out where there was a big, big study, randomized control trial. I mean, when you actually look at it, it is, is a phenomenal piece of work where they've actually tried to look at how to, you know, but they're looking into studies about wearing the mask, how to get people to wear the mask and stuff like that. And, you know, I started seeing it fly around on Twitter. I think even the big Dr. G, he, he mentioned the Bangladeshi oh. thing. I thought, well, someone's mentioned Bangladesh, which is where my parents are from. I'm thinking, I'm listening, right? Hey. And um, I thought, yeah, awesome, man. You know, it's not often you hear a, a Bangladesh very, you know, that often unless there's a tycoon or something. And then I was like, I mean, that happens. But I, I was literally like, when I saw it, I was like, I saw a Bangladesh research paper and I have to admit, I know it sounds terrible. Being a Bangladesh, I thought, well, I can't take that very seriously. And then I, yeah, exactly. And then when that thread <laughs> came out, I thought, yeah, why did I not take that seriously? Being a Bangladeshi person myself, like I should have taken that seriously is it's some decent work and he talks about himself you know he says it in one of the threads in this thread here sorry not all the work is done to service westerners and it's so true like unless i had the the name yale cambridge oxford maybe didn't have the name ahmed mushtaq mubarak on there maybe it would have been taken a little bit more seriously because it's a solid piece of work when you look at it right i mean it's good work it's the rct that people have been clamoring for and then suddenly it's not good enough. It's like, so we need a different RCT or we need a, it's like, just what did say it need, why you Lara? don't like it. Say why yeah. you don't like it. <laughs> Is it the melanin? Is it the melanin? <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much melanin. Turn it down, <laughs> turn down the contrast. <laughs> you do get taught that though. It's like, you know, when you have your like kind of token lectures at uni where they're like, here's how to do your research skills. Here's how to do a kind of critical appraisal of a paper. And one of the first things it's kind of like, where's it come from? Where, like, you know, what paper is it in? What, what? what institute is it coming from and that's actually like really messed up if you think about it and you're right like that's something that i didn't consciously think about until you know we we've talked about it till i read that thread that kind of internalized racism basically of thinking mm. oh no it has to come from you know yeah. john Hopkins or whatever for us to be yeah. taking it seriously it's 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 crap basically and it. but we but it's not it's crap that we're taught and we're taught that that's normal so mm. decolonize the curriculum and all that jazz. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. required. You get the double whammy of like the racism of, oh, it's not a good enough paper because it's coming from Bangladesh, combined with we need a different RCT. Okay, so do it on your like do it on your population, do it on your yes. demographic. And they won't. Mm. 
So like mm. all of these papers where they have these huge cohorts, it's like if you actually dig down, it's like, oh, that's, oh, it's in the Gambia. Oh, it's in like all of these places mm-hmm. where it's like, are you cutting corners on consent? Yeah. Mm. To get this data and then that's fine. But then it's like, oh, no, oh, no, we don't like that one. When it's like, okay, no, you guys now need to follow our lead instead mm. of us being the guinea pigs. I say us, like non-Caucasian populations being the guinea pigs for these big kind of studies. Yeah, I mean, it's do your own study then. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like uh, what it takes to be taken seriously when it comes to the world of research. You know, like the country that is made from, the institution it's come from, is not good enough. But we saw another tweet where there was a colleague uh, on Twitter that is a female that was part of an actual, you know, paper. And what was it? One of the male colleagues. So she'd done a paper and she was first author on this particular paper. And then the male colleagues who were also on the paper that weren't first author tweeted about the paper but did not include her uh, in that tweet is that right no 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 so it's tweeted by someone else but that person okay, okay. tagged tagged all the other authors except the oh that's right person. okay yeah. yeah except the first author who's the person who wrote the paper right um and he's also active on twitter which is another thing because they can't even go down the line of oh well you know they're not they're not active on twitter they are that's it's a person that has a twitter product has a twitter presence it, yeah. you can't pull that one Mm. And it's so funny because th- when these things happen, it's kind of like a li- it can seem a little bit abstract. But um, Shivani is someone, so I mean, it happened to Shivani who kind of is a mutual, and I feel like I know quite well. And she was really gracious about it, but she was a bit like, I, I see you, I see what you've done. And mm. the thing is, is that like people can be like, oh, I'm really sorry about it. But then the thing is, is that it's just crazy how, like, how is it that you'd ever think about tweeting a paper about someone and not, like, how's the first author, not the first person that you're tagged? Like, it's so you weird. can literally just tag the first author and that yeah. is an acceptable, like, exactly. oh, this person so wrote a weird. paper. I'd like to suggest why. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it. That's why you're here, Yasmin. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a woman of colour, my friends. That's why they can think of it. Like, that's why. You, you are just as, you are a second class citizen and you are not, you know, this is a person that is a is well-respected clinician and academic being ignored because of their identity as a woman of colour. That's what it is. I mean, Yasmin, you were talking about how, you know, like you, you were talking about the other day how um, you were a recipient of similar similar sentiments and then you sort of felt that you needed to sort of let the person know that they had, you know, been a bit derogatory towards you. But then you felt bad about letting them know that they'd well, done something bad about it. Done something, do you remember it's this? Just the, yeah, no, it's just the kind of classic, it's the experience in general of, feeling bad about calling someone out for their bad behavior when mm. it's your I don't want to use the word victim because that just make that kind of perpetuates this kind of hierarchical thinking but it's when something disrespectful happens to you and you can call them out but then you feel like you don't want to upset them to the point where you go oh but don't, but don't worry I'm not calling you a racist but what it is is they are acting through they're acting on behalf of racist structures within society and um, things that are programmed. But you can't call a racist a racist because if you call someone a racist or call their <gasps> actions racist, right? Mm. Yeah, racist. it's like it's like you're going around like 
throwing bricks it's extreme. at people. It's extreme. Right, exactly. It's inflammatory. Exactly. Oh I don't have a racist bone in my body. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, I'm not one of those. There was a really interesting tweet going around of a video of this guy who was like, I, my daughter taught me that I was a racist. And the guy's like, oh, I wasn't one of those proper racists that, you know, went around beating yeah. up black people. And you're like, but you did think we were second class citizens and all that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, so when it's particularly around race, but also around things about my gender, about anything, like about my background and things like that. If I feel that someone has done something that's been inflammatory to me and I feel upset by it my first feeling when I want to respond to it and to point it out is to not upset them which is just this kind of continuing to hold the to, to continuing to commit to the emotional labor and it's I think it's something that's really part of I don't know if it's being a black person being um, a woman or what but it, it's something about that it's just pointing it out it's just quite difficult I think I was reading about it in there's a book by Ken Andrews where he was talking about how white supremacy actually is really bad for white people and I think he was talking about white fragility and how it kind of sets like a really kind of weird standard for white people to have and how interestingly I mean you've you're coming from a position where essentially you're kind of putting your own feelings as having less value as the what the white person's feeling right because it kind yeah of... that's that's exactly it. i i am thinking right how do i get my point across without making them feel the, the discomfort that i have experienced myself mm. and maybe it's an empath thing or something but i yeah. do genuinely think that we as as minorities do have a way of um, have an automatic way of thinking where it's how do we make this palatable for these people so that they accept what we're saying and uh, it might be just to do with the fact that when you're you're brought up in a way in which like you know if your parents are minorities and you've been especially if they were immigrants they've been brought up to kind of try and then assimilate but fit themselves into an existing space and doing so means not upsetting the balance and not pointing out things that are inappropriate and it's learned behaviors that we need to, to stop doing really yeah. mm. it's learned behaviors I mean, Shivani, uh, Shivani she did a very good job of like sort of highlighting the issue without being, you know, particularly yeah. rude or inflammatory. She just mm -hmm. said, look, you know, this is what's going on. Make of it what you will. Right. Yeah. As, at what point do you, you know, for the rest of us who are watching, like, you know, do we make a stand? Do we suddenly think, decide we should just quit our Twitter thing and say, look, you know what? I'm going to stand by you. I'm going to, I'm going to close down my Twitter. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> we had a bit of an exodus this week. We, we had an exodus this week. I think we should week. quit Twitter and <laughs> form the exodus in solidarity with Shivani. I thought it was a very excellent and eloquent dragging, I must mm. add. Mm. And she, she kind of, drug with style and grace but um, <laughs> <laughs> no i thought i thought she did a good job but i do love a dramatic exit you can't mm. slam a door on the internet it's like i'm going press yeah. send yeah. Oh, but how do you feel about the delayed it. exit like you know the hero tom oates was like i'm going in two days how did you feel about that i love it he's like i'm leaving yeah. No, yeah. really, two guys, days. I'm going. Two days. You'll miss me. <laughs> oh. Does that sound like you're going to miss me when I'm gone? It's just like, mm, do no. like jazz hands as you back out the door slowly, yeah. being like, you could have had this. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was funny though right but it's a shame that he left because of the reason that he, well i mean i, I mean i, I, I know like i'll be back he will be back and i'll miss i miss him but i also feel like he's lost me with the way in which he has gone out 
I mean, fair enough, do a quit, do a drop mic and leave, even if the mic <laughs> takes two days to drop. But, but yeah, going out defending that man is... Mm. Yeah, I mean, so basically, basically what's happened is that someone who's got a history of problematic views, we'll say problematic, different views that we don't always agree with and got called out on it. And then someone in solidarity decided that they're going to, you know, close down their account as a result of, you know, as a result of their treatment, I guess, isn't it? Is well, that what it was? I don't know. I mean, the, the, those kind of direct words weren't quite said, were they? Like, was it inferred? But- Allegedly, is, it, is that what we're saying? Uh, well, no, it's kind of like there were some <laughs> tweets that were badly received and then it mm. just happens to coincide with them leaving. Oh, because I, see. I so not, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm I not think sure. You, I, I'll, no, I'll, I'll jump in. I don't know <laughs> these people. Please do. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I have my future career ahead of me. Anyway, because um, there was like the main thread that the uh, gentleman involved, who we shall not name, was having a good old time wallowing in the mud in. So, mm. yeah, you know, you, you, I'm not even going to finish my sentence on him, but yeah, he was having yeah. a great time. And then Tom Coates, Tom, Coates. oh, sorry, yeah. Coates was, <laughs> Whatever. said, oh, <laughs> I'm terrible with names. <laughs> was like, oh, this person's actually like a really good guy. Oh, and then one. they're a really nice person. So there was an active defense. There wasn't, it wasn't passive. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't coincidental. It was an active defense. They didn't like the response they got. They thought more people would be like, yeah, they're a great chap. <laughs> on your on your own, take your yeah. coat and leave. The number, <laughs> so, of people, <laughs> the number of people that that's a defense for, it's like, oh, but they're such a nice person. And you're like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, again, like, there's plenty of people out there. I'm don't. I'm like. I'm not gonna like. End up giving myself like a court a court case against myself by likening people to certain people. But I'm just saying there are plenty of bad people in history that probably to somebody they were an all nice. right guy. You know, mm, yeah. they were like, oh, but they're sound. It's like, yeah, sure, but you know, they did do. They they've got shitty views or they say shitty things, and you're just kind of like, well. There's only so much good reputation and past behaviours can save you from being a bit of a dick. Mm. It's true, isn't it? I think it's kind of, you're right, because often those kind of people who kind of rush to defend others, it's often because it's from a position of safety, isn't it? Because they're not quite in the firing line and you're like, well, that's great that you think that way, but that's because what have you got to lose from what this person's expressing? Whereas, like, there are... I mean, there there have been like friends who are, I, I know that have had, they've been referred to the GMC <laughs> over kind of interactions with this person and stuff. And so, yeah, oh, wow. So blimey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. I mean, you know, like, I'm, I think, Thrusha, we've had, I think we've had the occasion where something, sometimes something's happened and I'd be like, Thrusha, help me, save me, save me. And you've just like <laughs> thrown a meme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take this meme, save Imran. <laughs> a lot of people, their drafts folder needs to needs to be doing, it needs to be seeing more activity. Like you need to be saving things to draft sometimes, not every day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I think you should maybe you should have like a. I mean, someone did tell me there's some sort of function where Twitter does actually tell you, are you sure you want to tweet this? I, I've never seen this happen to me. Maybe I'm too too bland. In the my news tweets, articles. But, yeah, yeah. Really. yeah, news articles. If you've read the article, if you, if you haven't clicked the link and read it, they've been like, are you sure? And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, that's I'm sure. 
I mean, strong like, school teacher vibes. It's like, I'll yeah. read it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> read it soon. But I mean, speaking of being careful about what you tweet about, there was another tweet that really caught my eye and got me thinking a lot where I'll read it out. It said, imagine being given a devastating diagnosis only to open Twitter to see the same attention seeking MD reflecting on your specific case on the same day. I mean, this is a situation where someone has had, you know, they've had something bad told to them and they've gone on Twitter and then they've, they've seen that the person, the doctor who's given them the bad news has gone and tweeted about it as a story, like a bit of an anecdote. And it did get, get me wondering, like, you know, a lot of medical stories are anecdotes about people's lives and their experiences. Should we all be more careful about the kind of stuff that we're tweeting or maybe even the things we're talking about or thinking are anecdotes in the first place? I was actually going to ask a question. So I'm mm. just, and I use the word just like salt, <laughs> generously, just a student. So I talk with my friends, like we catch up and we'll share stories about placement, about patients, clinicians, who all of that stuff. Mm. But it's very much in like a one-to-one -one or like in direct setting. I think mm. the internet is bigger, but... I guess if you're working and you're a professional, it's like a networking opportunity. And sometimes sharing these stories can be cathartic and a way to kind of connect with colleagues, either in other hospitals in the same speciality or like just generally connect with colleagues. So I guess for you guys who are a bit further along, there might be like a, almost like a networking benefit or a kind of professional release benefit to sharing sometimes horrific stories. But... Uh, I mean, I find, I, I mean, I, obviously I do a bit of teaching and stuff uh, with some cases and things, but whenever I do those cases, I make sure they're very generic cases. Like they're not so, they're not so like extreme and out there that the person that it may be, be like, that is, there's no one else I could be. The cases I teach on are appendicitis. And I mean, there's so many appendicitis out there, like who, who on earth could it be? Perfectly anonymized and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it sounds like this one was like, it sounds it was very sort of, direct a very specific case with very specific same circumstances day. yeah on the same day as well so we've been told that you know if you're going to do that make sure it's a few days later you change everything and make sure it's not like, identifiable in any circumstance even it can't be the rarest of the rarest disease that one person has that that, that person can go to twitter and say you're definitely talking about me i don't like that would you do you think that's a problem here I think it is a bit of an issue, especially because of what it, why is it that you're sharing it? So there are mm. different reasons why you talk about different things. So if I've had a particularly difficult day or like I've had a difficult case, then it, it might be something that I want to talk about because, you know, we, we are humans and we see really upsetting things and sometimes we need to talk about them. And I think that anything that would limit our ability to do that is going to be detrimental to our own mental health. However, if you are doing it especially onto the internet for like purely entertainment sort of purposes or purely shock value or look at what i've had to go through today i don't know i feel uncomfortable with it i mean i personally i don't think i mean someone could probably like go through all of my tweets but i don't think i've really ever tweeted anything about particularly about specific cases or really no, you, anything clinical because i don't you feel could do loads you could do yeah, loads of like gum. There yeah, must be exactly. loads. It must be like a gold mine. There's but. stories, <laughs> but like also, I don't want to. One, I don't want to like fetishize my patients. I guess on the internet, for God's sake, because the bare people out there are just going to be getting off on like Stuff. funky stories. But also, 
like I don't trust I don't want to put myself in a position where I would make someone feel like that and there are mm. I work in a clinic where there could be people out there with very specific kind of kinks and stuff and if they saw people if they saw me sharing their information and then people laughing at it or people having any sort of like emotional response to it I feel like that'd be quite mm. I don't know just not not right so yeah I think in summary like I think in general it's the reason why you're talking about it that matters and some people are out there you know utilizing it for popularity for sympathy for monetary reasons that and that that don't fly with me personally so can i i'm just gonna add two i'm gonna be the little gmc spikes person so two <laughs> things the gmc say you don't need to ask for consent patient's consent if you're sharing their information anonymized appropriately for educational purposes so especially if they're in a teaching hospital i'm obviously in a teaching hospital lots of people like there's lots of big hospitals teaching is done at the bedside it's done you know at the desk if you get an interesting x-ray like what like this is a normal one this is an abnormal one like get used to kind of seeing it so you don't need to ask patient consent for teaching and using their kind of images and material and data for that however for publication you i think it's encouraged so again you don't have to but it's encouraged so it's like there are actually quite clear rules on this like you can be quite generous with the amount of information you share if it's educational mm. but and i'll say his name because then he'll have to come on the pod and defend himself <laughs> there is a certain doctor who has a certain book and a show that i am not a fan of adam k oh. adam k okay Hi. yeah yeah <laughs> <Carry> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> i would love to see you come on here and defend perhaps your stance on some of these things you say I, I i'm i'm generously inviting people onto your pod apologies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i and maybe it's just a stylistic thing i was uncomfortable with some of the stories that he shared about patients especially so i think maybe perhaps it's my own personal opinion like having had family members who have had scientific papers written about them because they had a weird and wonderful whatever i it's like you're not writing it for educational purposes you're writing it so that you can buy like a really nice Nespresso machine for your second house. Like... <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yeah, I, mean, I hope it's not an Nespresso machine with that kind of money. Come on now. I mean, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't like how he does it. I think it can be done better. It has been done better, but there's a lot of memoirs out there where they are taking people's stories and just churning them out for bucks. So, I mean, there's, I guess there's a kind of gratuitousness and this kind of rubbernecking-y type kind of gawp at this story and, um, I don't know, enjoy, not enjoy, but kind of like, I don't know, watch someone's misfortune. But do you think, is that is that distasteful because there's too many specifics about the story and therefore, and more should be, would that make it okay if you don't, you know, what should he have done different, should he just not done it at all? Or what, what would you? So I think you can tell the story, but you have to, really carefully decide where the balance is like who is the focus of this story is it you mm. and your feelings in which case the details of the patient take very much a back seat or actually is it a learning case where your feelings whilst important aren't the priority it's about the kind of the the patient story the patient the patient history as in like a natural history of like their experience as a human being rather than just like this person bled a lot and it ruined my new trainers. Oh, and then I went to the nurse's desk for a coffee. Oh, mm. what a Tuesday. Like that's, 
I mean, the thing is, like, I'm reading this book at the moment. I haven't finished yet. It's very good. It's called The Elephant and the Brain. And it talks a lot. Have you guys read this? It's, it's very good. It's talking about like the, the parts of your mind that you sort of kind of ignore, you know, and to try and convince yourself of the thing, person that you think you are. So like I, the point is, is that you know, half the time you're doing things, but you're not entirely sure why you're doing it or you'd convince yourself you're doing it for a specific reason. So I'm not saying this is the case, but some who may be doing it for educational purposes may actually want not education, but they want attention. They want their name to be attached to whatever it is. You know, they will get very upset. Like, in fact, yeah, there's someone that I know that does free education. And I think someone recorded their lectures and then put onto YouTube and they got very upset. And, and, and he was like, but they were all about giving free, free, free. And I, I remember thinking, like, why are you so upset? Like, if you're all about giving free, 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 and there's someone's taken that material and put onto YouTube, they've done you a favor. They've kind of given out, you know, they're kind of doing what you wanted, give out free education. But he, he was like, no, but I want my name on it. Like, he kind of, he didn't say that, but you could tell, like he wanted, he wanted them to know that this was his. And that's when you start to think, okay, well, that's cool. But at least now you know what, what's making them tick. Like before that, I wasn't entirely sure why they were pushing so hard to go, you know, give such so much time and so much effort into into doing this free material. And so I guess my point coming back to what we're talking about is it's, it's for someone who's tweeting this and talking about, you know, these patient things, it's difficult to really, I don't think they even know what the motive, it's hard to know what your own motivations are. Like you may think it's educational, you may not, you know, it may not actually be the, be the reason. And coming back to Adam Kay, actually, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I guess at the end of the day now, he's not, he's not a doctor from what I understand. He's, he's an author, he's, he's a writer, he's a comedian, right? And so a lot of the time what you'll find is that most stories are the same story, really. Like if you look at the story, it's a story of human emotion going through specific things. Uh, just because I watched, I watched The Matrix recently and there's a new movie coming out. Oh, I'm very excited. I can't wait, yeah. I can't wait. But if you look at The Matrix, like I didn't appreciate this when I was a kid. I just wanted to see, you know, shooting and I want Neo to win the day. And, and a it, long, cool coat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted. You know, 18, 19 year old me, I wanted that. And I didn't get that. And then now I, I watched it again and I watched it. I watched it again. I thought the film is about so much more than that. It's about hope. It's about love. It's about choice. It's about like the, the, the entire, you know, the way that we are and the way society is. And it's, it's masqueraded on top of the idea of being hackers and this crazy thing. But actually, if you take a step back, it's about so many things. I've got nothing to do with the hacking and the matrix and the robots and all of that stuff. So I'm just saying, I wonder whether for good or bad, Adam Kay may be using, you know, these experiences that he had to facilitate him to talk about, you know, human emotions, things that he's went, he's gone through. What do you guys yeah. think? Well, ultimately, the, those kind of things are kind of centralised to, I mean, you don't necessarily need the other person's stories to kind of talk about, well, I don't know, it just kind of, there can be ways you can do it. Well, I think you can centre on your, well, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Obviously, it's difficult. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult. Oh. I'm saying it's a difficult um, thing. But if you if you take away the patient story or the rest of it, it's just him saying, "I didn't like my job and I left." I mean, we've read we've read mm, it, right? I yeah. hope I'm not spoiling it for everyone. You'll know that he's no longer working in the engine. He he did a job. He didn't like it and he left. Yeah. And a few things happened in between. So that's a story. That's all it is. But he's kind of you know put a bit of a bit of a spin on it and put a bit of a story behind it to sort of get the story to go for you to sort of buy into the actual the, the overall theme of being unhappy which is what I think why it's done quite well because it's satisfying the the idea that people like to rub a neck and know what doctors are up to like they, they want to know that and it's and it's also satisfied doctors interest because we it speaks to so many of us who may be unhappy in what we're doing and the way I, things are going and the way we're I treated. I do think and this isn't me being like devil's advocate one thing i would say is that people and people that i know that don't really know about medicine in us 
it was some of their first exposure of like what mm. actually it happens mm. and so and I'd, so i'm not saying he necessarily consciously did this but i wonder if you would be able to put across how hard and horrible some of the things that you go through as a doctor and and the horrible things that you see as a doctor happen to other people i wonder if you you could tell that story without having those examples and mm. also part of me wonders whether some of it is like amalgams of of different cases so i i got asked to like do this talk the other day at, at my old uni and so i'm like i was like they were like oh do you have an interesting case and i was like yeah but I could probably make it more into like I'd probably prefer to just like mix those. So I'm gonna like uh, choose okay. sections of different cases mm -hmm. to put them all together, partly yeah. to make it more interesting and partly because I feel like I'll be more comfortable giving an example of what I do as my work without it being one person. It'd be like, oh, that's fascinating because at the end of the day, that fascinating case is still a person. Mm. So part of me wonders if that's partly what's happened, but I don't yeah. know. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe he's also just monetize these his horrendous yeah. experiences this could be my my bad opinion this could be you know maybe this it's is not the, the worst my opinion cancellation. no i'm sure i'm sure it's you're not I'm the sure worst a opinion. lot of people share the same sentiment i'm just saying yeah. that, i mean thinking about it from his point of view i mean what other stories are going to tell beyond beyond that i guess isn't it yeah. i mean there's there's yeah. lots of stuff about that and then it's like rachel clark i mean there's loads of things about it isn't it and then mm. it kind of I, I guess it comes down to like what kind of role you want to play on the internet and i guess that probably leads on to the stuff that there's some tweets recently about being influencers as medics i mean i mean we could be talking about anyone could we i mean i'm talking about someone specifically but we could be talking about anyone right and yeah yeah I mean, we touched on the subject last week, didn't we? Like the people who don't like influencers wouldn't mind being influencers themselves. Like, are they going to suddenly shut their down, shut down their account if suddenly woke up with 50,000 followers because they don't agree with that kind of thing? I find it hard to believe, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, are, you, are we referencing like the, the, uh, the whole concept of, you know, the fact that somewhat a tradesman, is it a tradesman who comes in and does some work and then you pay them the money and then you feel like, you know what, I'm worth more than you are because I'm a doctor. That's that's basically the, the essence of the tweet. They've said a tradesman's come to their place to do some work. I have to give them more money than I make. There's something wrong with that. I feel like there's something wrong with that sentiment. What do you guys think? Well, I, Entirely. yeah, I have given locksmiths, and I can tell the story because it's my own fault. <laughs> so much money. One of them was literally before I was meant to be watching a boxing fight and my sleepy, idiotic brain locked myself out of my own bedroom door. So I had to get a locksmith to open my bedroom door. And I'm more like, oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> 75 pounds, 3 a.m. Oh, wow. So yeah, I have paid a lot of money to locksmiths for very short work. Locksmiths do not work for two, three hours at a time. It's a two minute job. They come in, they jiggle their little metal, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> and then they're like, here's my invoice. And you pay it because you wanted that service. And they recognize what they're worth and they ask for the money. Mm. I think, yeah, if we, so I say we, I'm including myself in the esteemed tools of uh, qualified professionals. But I think <laughs> if as medics, we feel that we're not being paid enough for what we do, I mean, I think the problem is that I think people, we as medics, we value human life, don't we? We think that human life is the most valuable thing that there is, the most valuable asset you have or the most valuable thing that you've got is staying on this planet for longer. But unfortunately, society doesn't doesn't value that as much as we think it should, right? I mean, it's, it's market forces the way it is. I mean, we were talking not so long ago about, you know, certain footballer that's come back to Manchester United for a certain amount of money. 
the world thinks he's worth that kind mm-hmm. of money to kick a ball through a net, and that's yes. fair enough. That's my well, market heavy. value. Yeah. Wait, well, Ollie's go. at it's... the wheel. Ollie's at the wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Man U fans, by the way. I'm yeah, not, absolutely. Yeah. This is Arsenal season. No, it's not. <laughs> Trust the process. <laughs> I love the process. Trust your process, mate. I'm using Arsenal as a white space answer. Being an Arsenal <laughs> men's team fan, that's resilience right there. But, you know, like, I mean, we're talking about knowing your worth, right? And I think there was another tweet talking about working night shifts. Like, you, you know, what night shifts come at a premium, really. I mean, they're out of hours, unsocial hours. You do, you do, you know, if I was to do night shifts right now, I'd get paid more than my day shift. But, like, what do you guys think of night shifts? Are you guys cool with night shifts? Are, you, are they a thing for you? Are they a problem? I mean, there was a tweet asking, what do people feel about night shifts? Are they, are they as bad as we say they are? So I was having this, I was having this discussion yesterday with my mate. So I do a specialty where we don't have any night shifts. And when I chose, when I chose my job or like when I accepted my job, everyone was like, oh, your last night shift, blah, blah, blah. And actually, I like a night shift and I don't, I think that it comes from a position of privilege. I don't have dependence. I don't have, I don't have responsibilities and stuff like other people, but a night shift for me, I like it. I think my brain functions better on a night shift. Like I'm just, I'm, I work, my brain just works better between Mm. the hours of about 10 till four. Mm. And like, I, that, that's just the way I, that I'm programmed. And I, I don't mind the kind of disruption and my sleep cycle because I've got a terrible sleep cycle anyway. So okay. it's not much different from what I have anyway. But I do appreciate that it's something that not everybody could do. But I, yeah, I think that it's, I think it's definitely worth the premium because at the end of the day, I have signed up, like when I, I did six months of locoming as a med reg mm. and I worked exclusively nights. And realistically, I saw my boyfriend who I lived with for about two hours at a time so I did. I did just. I, I did sign away those sorts of things and that kind of normality. Sure, I can physically do it, but you do lose yeah, your standard way of life. The working on the clock that everyone else works on. Mm. What was? What were your kind of like tips for kind of managing all those nights? I mean, what would? What did you do? So I have quite a, and I don't know if it's necessarily the healthiest way to go about a night shift, but I am good at staying awake. So I will stay awake the day before a night shift. I won't, I, so say I'm working on a Thursday and I've got a night shift on the Friday. I will stay up all night on the Thursday up until as early as I can cope on the Friday. So if I'm going to bed at four, five, six in the morning and then go to bed and I have just hard resetted my body. And then when I finish my night shifts, I again will force myself to stay awake and then go to bed at a normal time the next day. Mm. And that's quite good at kind of, it's probably like knocked years off my life expectancy realistically <laughs> because it's hardcore. It is, it's hardcore. And yeah, I don't know hardcore. how long I will be able to do that for. And like, like I said, I don't do night shifts in my current job at the moment, but that's how it worked for me. And yeah. I just kind of, I got into my routine and I kind of, I just, you just shift your life back into different different things so it's like you know your meals are different times so it's like oh right so my breakfast now at this time my dinner's at this time blah blah blah. get into it but i also get that lots of people don't like it and it doesn't work for them so i mean i i remember i was doing a few night shifts recently and i was like reporting 
And then I looked at the report and I was like, I didn't say any of that. What is that? And it was just like just absolute gibberish. And I must have got oh, to no. a point where like I wasn't even saying things properly anymore. And I was oh, like, wow. yeah, I probably should stop this. I was, it was not, it was not nice. Um, you do yeah. get to that point in the night where it does hit about 4 a.m. And so the last place I was working, the last trust I worked at doing night shifts was Tommy's. And it was great because I had a 24 hour coffee shop. Oh, and nice. I mean, I loved that job. I think I, that, that trust, big up that trust. Like it's it's also very rare. I feel like for me, definitely to be being positive about places. Mm. <laughs> but but like Tommy's was like it was it was a great place, and it just had the facilities for you to function at four in the morning. So you'd be like, right, oh gosh, I am I'm hitting a lull. I'm gonna go and get a coffee, and I'll take all the junior, and I'll be like, right, we're just gonna have 10, 15 minutes off the ward go with all the other juniors, we'll sit, we'll have a coffee together, and then we'll crack on with what we've got to do. Mm. And having those facilities definitely helped. So I don't know mm. how I'll feel where I work now, like, because I'm gonna I'm gonna do gen med eventually, what it's gonna be like, and maybe mm. I'll hate it being at a different trust. Who knows? So Laura, do you have Not... any tips for doing nights? Yeah, sorry. sorry. So I, no, no I, I haven't had to do a night shift as a medical professional, at least, but I used to work in a nightclub. Um, I love that. It's really bad. So I remember in the beginning, they're like, oh, you just sign this, yeah, sign this, yeah, sign this, yeah. So I just, so I just opt out of the European Working Directive in a part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> so we do 10 till 4. So mm. 10 p.m. till 4 p.m. And oh. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, Lord of mercy. the upsides were, I don't know if this was, so the club doesn't exist anymore. Like it's literally okay. underneath the shard. Doesn't exist wow. anymore. Wow. If you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, if, but the boss used to get a taxis for everyone. So like hmm. you'd get a taxi home, like indirect, like you basically get driven home, which is really handy. You could have a nap. I had a lot of naps in his office. I don't know if I was meant to, but I did. Mm. I just could fall asleep anywhere, including in a base bin. So power wow. naps to, and mm. like making sure you yeah. can get home safely, I think are the two probably most important things. And not you were made a bottle of for the medical, oh, I was gonna say you're made for the medical profession, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for, well, I, uh, yeah, hopefully I am. I'm sure you are. It's just the yeah. best prep. I think it's the best prep for being a doctor. My bar On your feet, people mm -hmm. are angry at you for no reason. Yeah. People want <laughs> you for no reason. People are always trying to grab your equipment. Like, <laughs> you and also, do... everything goes wrong, and then you're like, mm. you're just trying to like pick stuff, but then like, while still performing your standard job, you're trying to fix a thing that's not working properly anymore, <laughs> yeah. and you're trying to reason with people that are incoherent, and then people are sick <laughs> or have mm. a fight. I was, always, I was like when I, I worked in a pub from 18 till I started clinical school and then worked in a different pub that was like, it's in Cambridge, it was much nicer and fancier. But the, my Birmingham pub job was brilliant and I loved it. And it was the best prep for being a doctor because you'd be up till about three in the morning when she'd cleaned up everything and there'd be fights. And then it'd be like, Yasmin, can you go and clean up the blood, please? And I'd be like, okay. Because <laughs> they'd be like, you're the medical student. They'd be like, oh, you're the medical student. It'll be fine. I'm like, oh, all right. You nail small talk. Like, I can, <laughs> I can talk about, you know, 
a fourth division team unnecessarily long. It's like, <laughs> however long this takes, sir, I've got all day. I'm getting paid to be here. Yeah, no, <laughs> bar work was um, hard, but I, yeah, they've taken some skills from it. Also, though, when they were really drunk and they tried to tip you, and it'd be like, so we used to have like a very, we got a DJ on a Friday and Saturday night, and then people get really drunk and mm-hmm. maybe under the influence of other things, and they get really drunk <laughs> and they'd like tip you, and they'd be like, keep the change. And I'd be like, sir, you've bought a carling with a 20 pound note. I don't think I can. <laughs> yes. I don't think I, I, don't think nice. I can keep this. And they'd be like, no, I love, just keep the change. I'm like, my best night. So I started in the cloakroom because I used to write, oh, this is so bad. I used to write my essays in the first <sighs> half of the shift. Wow. So I'd, wow. and I'd be in, so I was in the cloakroom because you're busy for an hour at the beginning and then you're chill. And I once made 400 pounds in tips in the cloakroom. Wow. And my boss wow. was like, wow. you're good at chat. Let's go to the bar. And I was like, but I like it here. Amazing. All those night shifts, all that work, it's a lot of work, isn't it? I mean, you know who doesn't do night shifts very often is those lazy GPs who are spending all that time on the golf course. If you see... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking a battering, aren't they? Aren't they taking an absolute battering? You know, they, there was this tweet that came out recently and it was highlighting, I mean, I got tagged on this one, so I was getting high, you know. You know, when when I log into Twitter and I see loads of notifications, like, oh great, what have I done? I'm like, Thrusha, help me, help me, me. <laughs> but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't to do with me per se, it was probably highlighting it for the podcast. And Professor Joseph Merian uh, Thomas, a retired NHS surgeon who's raised concerns about the lack of in-person appointments said, there are lots of GPs who work hard, but primary care is not fit for purpose. He said he recently received a letter from a working physician who said that, oh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It, I yeah. could go on, but I mean, essentially, yeah. This is, yeah, this is a guy who's so old, his GMC number's like two digits, you know, like. That's <laughs> it's just two scratches in a clay tablet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, what? Uh, I don't know, should we even talk about him? Oh God. But he's I mean, like, he's, the twi- he's, he's a villain, isn't he? He's, he is he's, a villain and the they're trolling OG him out, villain. aren't they? Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, the they trolling him out, don't they? Whenever they need a certain opinion, they, they trolley him out to be able to say, oh, but we've got a doctor who thinks what we also think or we're also worried about that GPs are a bunch of slackers. And so it's just a, it's just another case of like more. I mean, we've been going through weeks of this and I've seen a few of our good GP buddies who feel like they're kind of taking a bit of a brunt. They're taking it quite personally, aren't they? They're, they're, they're you know. Well, I mean, yeah. they're being gunned for, aren't they? But there was a funny tweet by Zach, I guess you're kind of moving on to that, right? Where he, he tweeted about, it was, like, it, was, it was a joke, where he kind of goes, the Medred side, bloody lazy GP, no idea why they refer this one, blood's all normal, CT head and CTPA negative, LP clear, MRI spine unremarkable. You know, he's, it's like a joke. But then obviously people took that seriously because it's the internet and that's what people do. Yeah, um, they, they just miss the sarcasm, you know, like, they, you should have put, like, insert sarcasm. Well, I was going to say, it needs a yeah. sarcasm font. We need, like, just a special font that is just, like, yeah. the following words are now sarcasm. Well, Yasmin, yeah, you were exactly. saying, actually, that those are the best replies, though, isn't it, when they don't quite get it? Oh, always like, I oh, love it. Yeah. The people are like, well, actually, I know several GPs, <laughs> and they work really hard, and it's like just awkwardly being like, that's what I meant. I literally was backing them up, but that's okay. <laughs> being polite, being like, that's okay, that's fine. Like, oh, it, gosh. It's funny. I think actually there was someone that tweeted, I think one of these productivity gurus, they tweeted something like, oh, you know, I find it really useful to have like a, a list of things to get done in the day. You know, that's how I get through and get, be productive. And I, was, and I replied like, mate, my list to get, get through things in the day is like, stay alive, man. Like, get some food, <laughs> stay alive, make sure the kids are alive and that's it. And then someone said, that doesn't look that doesn't look very motivational 
I'm oh, like that. I was joking. Come on. I mean, you know, like they just didn't. They didn't get it. Also, yeah. it's working so far. You're alive. I'm Mason, that one. I'm Mason, that one. That's right. I, I really liked yeah. Laura. You ha you made a comparison about the kind of the the untold time or the unkind of what was that point you made when you were comparing like GP to like medicine and when people come to hospital. Oh, workout. Yes. So yes. this is a productivity thing. So, yeah. and this Zach's tweet highlights this perfectly. So say each person interacts with that kind of patient that the GP referred in for like 10 minutes. And I think he lists about, let's say 10 people. So it's, the maths is easy because mm. not the smartest. <laughs> it's a hundred minutes. That's a hundred clinical minutes. That's a hundred, it's like an hour and a bit of manpower spent on this one patient. That GP had 15 minutes, presuming they overran on their next patient. The receptionist didn't interrupt them to tell them about the person that's just collapsed and the fact that like they've got to do another referral for another patient and they've also got a whole load of prescriptions to do and they need to look at some scans and make sure they all get signed off. Like the GP has 15 minutes, that's it. And that's them pushing the slot to mm. try and fit in everything and make sure they haven't missed out any other big whoppers. Even like your 20 minutes on the ward is already far more indulgent. You didn't have to do the obs, you didn't have to do the bloods, mm. you didn't have to do all of the other things that like get done in a clinical setting that you don't think of, but when you mm. walk into the room are part of your like holistic assessment. So... So true. It's so true. Who I know are you? people I, I think people. yeah i think russell actually said something about oh, was it russell no maybe zach he he did say like as soon as a patient turns up from gp and you will take one blood test oh, then yeah yeah yeah, 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 it, was russell, yeah. it was russell yeah. yeah he said that's a decent so referral. wise so wise he's so he wise beyond <laughs> his years isn't he yeah he, <laughs> yeah he did he does he did come out with a few gems and on, on his own episode as well didn't he yeah i mean we do we want to talk about this i mean we've got so many more things to go do you want to talk about this dress are we allowed to should we go on about yeah, this dress we, should we talk we about this i'm a reddit yeah, go on. You're ready. Go on. Who wants yeah, to go for it? Right. So, wait, sure. should I just say, look, so basically there was a student that dressed up and there is an image of the dress that they were wearing and they got yellow, is it a yellow card? What'd you get? Yellow yeah. slip? I've been thinking about football. Yeah, so they got they got a yellow slip because it was deemed inappropriate. But looking at the dress, it actually, you know, what was inappropriate about that dress? Why did they get yellow carded? Yeah. It's yeah. So it's a pencil, I mean, it pencil fit skirt with pockets, semi-formed bodice. Cat Absolutely, I'm just going to put that out there <laughs> in a, a faded racing green, kind of a jag racing green kind of aesthetic for the visual people. Wow, wow. <laughs> wow, and they're cool. Yeah, so what do we think? Yeah. Oh, the police think it's a very nice dress. Women's clothing. Yeah, no, it's a lovely dress, isn't it? Very nice. Yeah. And it has pockets. Guys, like, this isn't very helpful. This is not why we got you on the show. <laughs> we need more vitriol, for God's sake. Come on. Right, so... People yes. telling women how to dress. Yes. Uh, That's what I'm after. Go for it. Off. <laughs> Piss off. Sorry, but back just here. literally get in the sea. If my tit hasn't fallen out, chill out. Like, <laughs> if you can't see my vagina, right? If you can't see my nipples, I'm fine. Yeah. That's fine. Like, I just, it's just the thing that I have, I personally been told off for and i think that i dress i mean obviously i think that i dress fabulously thank you but as a and it was as a younger doctor and as a medical student i was called out for the things that i wore and the things that i wore were dresses that went to my knee and 
the thing that happened was that I would sit down and I have a large bum and sitting down in a skirt with a large bum makes your dress right up. However, I would sit with my knees closed and again, not have vag out. And I got told, I got told by like aggressively by a, a, a female consultant who turned mm. to me and said, do you not think that you're making the, the patients feel uncomfortable? And I'm there thinking, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. And then just left and felt embarrassed. Yeah. And then another time finishing a night shift, I, um, I was starting a night shift, a consultant that I really, really liked said, oh, I need to chat with you later. Come find me after your shift, which is always a good start to yeah, a night shift, sorry. especially mm. when you're an F1 and you have anxiety. Mm. And this this consultant, like afterwards, I pop in, I'm like, oh, is anything all right? Thinking I've killed someone. They go, the nurses aren't happy with the length of your skirts. Ridiculous. And then part of me, right, that's it. And I was like, okay. Not, didn't get told I don't, just was like, the nurses aren't happy with the length of your skirts. And I was so upset I was mortified and then I was angry and then I just thought like f these people because yeah. it didn't it didn't stop me it didn't take away from the fact that I was a qualified doctor I didn't I think that I was a good clinician and also it's not like I should be it's kind of like oh but it wasn't like a batty rider I wasn't like flashing my bottom as my bum it, I just had things that were like above my knee like a bit above my name, things like that. But the fact is that somebody had watched how I was dressed. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what they take. And gone, yeah, exactly. And also, the thing is that I had, at that point, and also, in general, we don't get feedback. We don't get feedback unless we, like, really screwed up. Yeah. And to have some of the first feedback I yeah, ever absolutely. received as a doctor was to say, you're dressed inappropriately. When I'm putting in a big effort as, like, a big black woman to try and dress appropriately and feel like I fit in and deserve to be a doctor to try and dress how I feel like I should do and then be told oh no but you're still dressed inappropriately was really demoralizing but then I got a really great talk by a female surgeon who was just like do you think you dress inappropriately and I was like no I don't I think I dress well I think I and I genuinely thought that like I could get on the ground and do chest compressions and be happy that I wasn't flashing my knickers it was that kind of situation and I thought that it was being really unfair and then and this person they would she just said to me like look like you you can choose to be upset about it or you can choose to just let it wash over you and it was kind of like a like a ah, enlightening moment for me but I've mm. never forgotten it and like, yeah. I've been a doctor for like five and a bit years and I've never forgotten it yeah I don't blame you I mean that sounds really diminishing doesn't it and I think in, mm. you know, one of the issues is that, as you say, like feedback that we get in a hospital tends to be kind of negative, doesn't it? And how can that mm. not kind of like colour your experience? And uh, if you think that with all the kind of hard work you're doing, that was the feedback you got, like based on what you're wearing, like what? That's like a decision mm. you made before you even left the house, before you'd even walked into work, that decision had been made. And that was what you got fed back on. Uh, mm. you know, forget like yeah. what you did in that 12 hour shift oh my god what are you going to say Imran? and mm. like being an F1 is a colorectal um, the F1 for a colorectal team of yes. five consultants and there was me and one other person and one of us was always on nights and you kind of like I was managing loads and loads of people and mm. trying to keep them alive and mm. that was like the only feedback I got it was Bonkers. it was shit yeah. I mean, I mean that's what I think you I think with Larry, I think you touched upon uh, a point about like what some of the guy medical students are turning up to placements yeah. 
I mean, what are they turning up like? What have you seen? (laughs) Do they get the same kind of treatment? No, they don't. (laughs) I do have to confess, I've seen some medical students, very occasionally maybe junior doctors dressed, and I'm like, that might work in like, I know, uh, I don't know what clubs still exist, but like in the night. Oshana! 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 I remember Oshana! Oshana! Yeah, but like this might work in, you know, spoons on a Saturday night, but that's not really kind of professional attire. But like for guys, they'll rock up in like, creased shirts and like crumpled maybe they showered in the last in the surrounding 48 hours to kind of when they're there and it's like you actively look disheveled like at least with the with the like like females ladies they're making an effort to look nice it might just not it might be inappropriate for work but the guys are making no effort at all you look literally like a bag of trash like creases and all (laughs) and we're getting the same feedback like Hun, we're not the same. This isn't the same offense. Mm. And that is a bit frustrating because it's like, if you're too, like, it's basically like if you flash, if you flash a bit of thigh, if you flash a hint of breasts, it's like, oh, no, no, no. And it's like, you can't, they're there. I, would you like me to bind them? Mm. Just, I can't stop you sexualizing me, even if I'm dressed appropriately. So, like, how do I win this? Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember in the year that I, like within the rotation that that happened, a man that I'm putting a catheter in, making reference to me, like holding his penis. And I'm there being like, I'm dressed in like, like I will be sexualized regardless of what I do. It's not my job to make me not sexualizable, if that makes sense. Like, you know, Mm. but it's always going to happen. But that the kind of the appropriateness or whatever, is just a bit, yeah, I've, it's difficult, non-quantifiable ideas of professionalism and things like that that I struggle with. I mean, the scope of the male gaze, isn't it? Like, it's just the kind of struggle dealing with that and just um, mm-hmm. because it 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 just it just seems to just the spectrum or, or the the thing that it kind of seems to overlie is just absolutely everything, and it kind of puts you in a position whereby there are just so many tightropes that you're having to kind of like manage. It sounds exhausting. Mm. I'm sorry, it sucks. I mean, it's, it kind of brings us on to another tweet, doesn't it, Therusha? There was an anesthesiologist or something. She she had a tweet that came through where she was basically saying that some males were DMing them, saying like, "I really, I really love, I love following you. I love being, you know, part of your your internet persona." But these are just ways that you could be more pleasing. You know, these are just some of the feedback <laughs> that you could do. That was it, wasn't it? Like, it was just a bit like, "I really enjoy following you, but here's how you can be more pleasing to me personally." As if that's your job, that you know you need to please you need to please this guy. And apparently, you know, we we talked about DMs, unwelcome DMs. I never even thought that could be. We had one. Do you remember actually, Thrusha? There was someone who said you're talking about too much Taylor Swift. We did the Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. yeah, it's like you need to stay on brand and stop talking about Taylor Swift. I mean, that's the kind of feedback people are giving about people's Twitter uh, Twitter feeds. I mean, it's just crazy, isn't it? Like, as if that much thought goes into this stuff, really. Yeah, we really. love Taylor as well. Like. <laughs> There's no way we're gonna stop talking about Tay Tay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. But like, it's the sheer uh, like bare-faced cheek of it, isn't it? Just kind of like, here's my opinion. Like, who asked for your opinion? <laughs> yeah. And also, but it's like, not even like generalized. Yeah, it's like you have to please me. Like, <laughs> here's what I like, and that's it. There's no extra. There's no like, gen- like 
who are you? It's it's bizarre, isn't it? That you're you these you know you feel like you're you're trying to play up to something. You know, you follow me if you want to follow me. If you don't follow me, don't follow me. I mean, move on if you don't like me. T- tweeting about Taylor Swift, you know, like I like Taylor <laughs> Swift. So what? Um. <laughs> it's part of the identity though of you having to have a purpose, and I don't the idea of you doing something for the purpose of another person or for the reception of another person mm. it's like it can't just be oh well, i'm out here like doing my tweets just for myself because yeah. it's like a kind of little mini therapy or whatever or exactly. it's a way to like meet people it's a way to stay in contact with people it's oh no i am actually providing you with something and none of us signed up for that i yeah, mean sure absolutely. if you want to go back to like influencing us like sure if that's what you want to be into mm. then fine maybe maybe there's a slight there's a slight case to argue but mm. in general I, I make my tweets to just be like oh i've got a thing in my head that i've just pulled out and i'm gonna yeah. put it on there for <laughs> But I don't know. I don't quite know the function, but it wasn't yeah. to make someone happy or make someone mm. angry. Like, I mean, this is the thing. Like, there there seems to be that for some some accounts, there is a bit of a, a air of expectation, right? Like, they they kind of tweet away, they tweet away, and there's an air of expectation. And we saw Mama Doctor Jones or Danielle Jones, MD, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they were being told that you know they were initially thought to be an advocate for women until someone found out they do Botox injections. So doing Botox injections apparently no longer being an advocate for women. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow, I mean... I guess at my appointment, I'll rip up my feminist card and take my <laughs> diaphragm out and hand it back to Jermaine Greer or something. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think if you want to get Botox, get Botox. Like your person, very few of your individual personal choices, especially when it's a personal choice that affects only you, mm. like negate your like opinions and advocacy and work or whatever else you might do in like women's rights, people's rights, equality generally. Like mm. if you just want to have a smooth forehead, it doesn't make you less of a feminist. Mm. <laughs> it yeah. just makes yeah. you smoother. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, you're not even like perpetual, you're not going, every woman needs to do this. It's yeah. like me in my individual experience wants to look like this. It's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a go at someone who was overweight, who went on a diet and lost weight mm. because they wanted to look different. Like you wouldn't do that, but it is the equivalent of doing that, isn't it? It's the equivalent of going, I don't like this thing about my body. I would like yeah. to change it. Mm. And it doesn't matter where it came from. Sure, if it, even if the idea of wanting to have Botox comes from the fact that we as society are taught that you need to look young to look good or blah, 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 blah. Fine, that's fine. It's shitty, but it's fine. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. But also, it's your it's your choice. It's not like someone's got your arm wrapped around your back going, oh, you need to go and have these needles put in your face. You have you have interpreted things and you've put, come to a decision that you've made on your own it's not anyone else's business and you wouldn't do it for any other things but just because and it's not even like you're saying oh you value you're valued less because you look young or or you don't look young enough Mm. it's purely personal so enough like there's different things so like charlotte tilbury came out today and said the secret to a long relationship is never letting your husband see you without makeup that's a bit messed up yeah that's messed up that is messed up and for that point i'm gonna be like hmm girl that's not okay however if i as a person wanted to always wear makeup and never let my partner see me without makeup and i went that's how i roll and that's how i want to live my life that's my business yeah absolutely that's Mm. entirely my business 
Mm. So I don't get how it's suddenly become a kind of feminist, non-feminist thing. It's like the idea that all fem, like the classic horrid idea of like all feminists are going to have hairy armpits and yeah. to, like mm. hairy upper lip. Yeah, exactly. Mono brow. Yeah, mascara. Like, Crystal yeah. deodorant. I think yeah. that kind of <laughs> <laughs> literally just rub some salt up in the armpit and just go for the best. I think that shows like how far there is still to go, isn't it? There's still this kind of like narrow spectrum in which a person can kind of exist, and it's only mm. really when things are kind of better that will people will I don't know I guess accept. Well, I mean, part of the kind of win will be people understanding that actually. You know, a feminist can you can you can be any you can be anything. I mean, being a feminist isn't like a kind of I don't know stereotypical term. Like it's just. That's because it harks of second wave feminism. Basically, it harks of your Jermaine Greers. It harks of your turf. Um, you know, ter- we're straying like, into trying- JK territory. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, oh guys. Hyperventilates and slithering. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but it just harks of that kind of like, this is what a woman is, and this is the, the kind of you can only have this one experience as a feminist, and it, it's just not. It's not what. Hopefully I also it's not like what the, the idea feminist that she's just vain. Like everyone is problematic. Let her be vain. I love yeah. it. Mm. I love that. That's her flaw. Let her mm. do it. See, most face people with poison. Are, most people are vain. That's yeah. the thing. It's like if you get up every day and you have a shower, like you're probably a little bit vain because it's like, why do you have your shower? Because you don't want to smell. So I don't live in London anymore, but no, can we can we can we scrap that narrative? Can we enforce that? Everyone needs a shower, yeah. Yeah, 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 some of these people on the on the tube and the trains, it's like Lord Jesus. I mean I find I find I mean Twitter's an interesting you're watching a conversation really, right? And what I think there are certain things that people love about Twitter. It's the it's the drama and the idea that people are having arguments for one another. But one of the things I've also noticed in general with celebrity, with prime ministers, with politics pop stars everyone they love to see they love to point a hypocrite if they can find one like like being a hypocrite is a bad thing and i'm going to come out and say that i don't think being a hypocrite is actually a bad thing because if you know through has known me for many many years right there's a few views i may have had over the years you know that i don't have now so you may turn back and say you know 18 look at what 18 year old imran said that you're clearly a hypocrite now but i'd rather be a hypocrite and know that i can change as a person and still be a hypocrite i think and i just think that when when someone points someone out for this botox thing they're trying to say hang on you're a hypocrite let's mm. talk about that yeah. but it's not that it's not they're not a hypocrite they're just a human being maybe moving through a journey i think that's a know? really good point the whole idea and i go it almost like harks back to council culture it's like oh look we've tried not like some people's tweets you drag back up from the past and then you go that's not okay and that will never be okay but then there's other things that you drag back up and then you go yeah no I thought that thing and that was a real bad thing and I know I don't think that anymore mm-hmm. and there's re and you know there's it, it's difficult and I don't think that there's ever going to be a black and white thing about it but yeah your whole idea of like it doesn't necessarily make you a hypocrite if you've changed your opinion on something at all like I just I don't think it is yeah I think exactly. it helps if the apology so if you get dragged for an old tweet it helps if the apology is actually a good apology <laughs> mm. just like, I'm sorry you feel that way <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry if you feel I hurt oh, God. no that's no mm. that's actually Let's worse than not apologizing again. isn't it like I feel 100 percent 100 percent so what do yeah, you guys I think makes we, yeah. sorry what do you guys uh, think makes a good apology I think we've seen a demonstration of a good apology quite recently. On so I don't have I, I can 
I could, I could be as smooth as these. No, I'm not as smooth. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. You're doing really no, it's very good. Go, 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 go. <laughs> but actually, the tweets have now been deleted. But a, a Twitter person tweeted yeah. a story of their experience of witnessing racism. And I think that's important to notice. This person wasn't the victim in this situation. They weren't the perpetrator, but they were an active witness. And I say active because I said it and I meant it. <laughs> um, and then someone else was like, oh, but, and started playing devil's, devil's avocado. Oh, yeah. And, you know, doing higgy hagger left to right, go around the defend, you know. Could they have not heard them or something? Like, oh my God. Sorry, mm. but thick ethnic accents, they're very yeah. difficult to understand. Oh, I know yeah. this one. This is the one where there was a patient and then they saw an, an English white person and then yeah. when the person was leaving, they said, I'm really glad I got seen by an English white person. I can understand your accent or something. That that, that was the one, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. then someone came out and said, or like they said, oh, I'm really glad because I don't get to see English, or like white English people. And then one of the people who was defending the racist old white person said, oh, but have you thought about the fact that some old white people are hard of hearing and ethnic accents are difficult to understand, mm. to which everyone went, get in the sea. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> but to their like, credit, yeah. like, a lot of things, like, and we, I mean, I, pers I personally responded to these ones because I was just like, I have been in that exact position where like an old man asked me who uh, my, my favorite like racist moment of my existence was being on a night shift and an old man who was trying to get out of bed and he was like I want to go and make a cup of tea and I was like oh like it's fine I'll make you a cup of tea but can you get back in bed because you're gonna fall and you're gonna break your hip and he goes do you know how to make tea and I went why do you ask that and he goes do you have tea where you come from? Oh, and I was like, ah, oh, okay. Well, I'm from Birmingham, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have had that experience. I've had that experience of like, oh, look at the poor little old white man. He's like, he's a bit confused. He doesn't really understand things oh, and things God, are a little no. bit different. But like, don't, like, that's, that's a, it's a rubbish excuse for racism because I know plenty of old white people that don't say racist stuff. Yeah. So. It ain't an excuse. Absolutely. But this person did come out and they responded after lots and lots of people getting involved saying, rethink what you've said. Mm. And I think that was a good, it was an example of a good apology. Yeah. Mm. I think we all agreed, didn't we? That we yeah. were like, that's, that's like, quite a good one. Hats yeah. off, chapeau, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was nice wasn't it it was like a i mean they they it looks like they took the learning points they all i mean maybe they've left a better person who knows well it looks like we've uh, gone on for a while hopefully uh, going through all these we've we've all become better people oh. yeah maybe we've we've learned a few things i've got to say this has been a really really fun episode yeah, i was absolutely. telling through after our meetup you know we we did it we did a pre-meetup i didn't get home till 1 30 because i you know we we ended up talking for so long yeah. like i was i was all the way where i work i live around from where I work and I thought you know what I don't want to say I don't want to stop the stop the chat because it was so much fun and then getting home really late but no it's been really really fun through and I were both even messaging like this is gonna be a good one I'm really yeah, yeah. really gonna enjoy this one so um hmm. 
thank you Yasmin and Lara for coming onto the podcast and um, I'm sure thank we have you, you for having have us again. Yeah. yeah I felt I probably overly comfortable so <laughs> no, <that's awesome>. apologies <laughs> no it's awesome thank you so Lara has got her own podcast called The Coloured Prescription do have a listen to her, her podcast I've had a, I have a good listen it's, it's great fun it's, yeah. I actually learned a lot actually yeah. a few diseases that maybe I shouldn't uh, yeah. be calling them uh, by their names the eponyms um, <laughs> the eponyms episode is really good so I found you on Spotify can people find you on other providers Yes. So I'm on like the major. Um... <laughs> Go <laughs> on. <laughs> the pod, the color prescription can be found on like all the major platforms. So Spotify, iTunes and other podcast players Providers. there you go yeah so ha- have a listen it's, se- it's semi-regular uh, i suppose yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> keep it up basically keep it up Laura. you're doing good work yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll it's, it. yeah it's, a, it's a, a current solo effort so it's it's it comes out when it comes out. But yeah, you, well, you know, you need a co-host, Yasmin. There you go. You need a co-host. That's what yeah, you need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy to volunteer myself. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, Thrushi, you want to we say sh- something? We should plug our charity appeal, right? Yes, exactly right. Okay, we are doing an Ask Us Almost Anything. You can send us questions to our Twitter handle, which is at two underscore medics, or you can also write it in the comments on our Just Giving page. Please give generously. We're raising uh, money for the British Red Cross in Afghanistan. Yeah. Go on, Imran. And where, what are we going to do with this? Ask me. Ask. I mean, look, we're gonna, we're gonna. I mean, this is our venture. And I mean, we're thinking about doing it for a while, doing a, a few YouTube videos and stuff. So we gave it a shot. It was good fun. We just ended up having a kebab afterwards. In truth, yeah, it just, really just good. Uh, yeah, we actually just did that in the end. And, um, <laughs> we managed to get a video together. But yeah, you just yeah, leave a comment. Try and please do donate. I think last time I checked, we were at two percent. And you know, th- I was thinking two percent. The last time I saw that number was when I was like doing med school. I was like, boom. <laughs> I'm failing this as well. Oh, Come on, med twitter. Twitter. Can I be in the top 10 centiles for a change, please? Yeah, uh, no, if you can, uh, please do donate. It would be really great if we can give back a bit. We managed to build quite the platform. It'd be great to yeah. use that for a positive. And they get to win Yorkshire tea, right? You get to get a year's supply yes. of Yorkshire tea. and all A that. year's supply of Yorkshire uh, tea, mate. I mean, you know, I mean, why would you not? Why would you not You know, throw your hat in and try and get a year's supply of Yorkshire tea? Apparently, it's quite good. I'm still not having Yorkshire tea. Anything else, then? What is wrong with you? Yeah, she is so unbranded. I love this me. one. <laughs> I genuinely, I've got a 1,024 bag, big old bag of Yorkshire tea on the top of that. Yeah, no, on the top of that, one time, my boyfriend doesn't function without tea. And one time we ran out of tea and it was the worst experience of my life. And so I then, so I then ordered a thousand bags of, a thousand tea bags and they are the best tea. And I refuse to I'm interested who wins because... Yeah, so I'm in a similar category of always having a tea or beverage nearby. And a thousand tea bags is like a few months. But I feel like for some people, maybe that's a year supply, but it's like, you're going to have to get these numbers. You know, I hope your sponsors have got deep pockets because some people might really like their tea. No, genuinely, yeah, it was in the thousand. I was surprised when they offered it. I was like, that's a lot of tea bags. I was like, wow, that's that's a lot of tea. So anyway, yeah, I mean, we're obviously very grateful to the sponsors for doing that. And so, yeah, do please enter. Thank you for another amazing week, Med Twitter. You've been uh, entertaining as always. Hopefully some of you guys have got your bingo cards and maybe even got a mention uh, on the podcast. And as always, you know, everyone have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. You know, just like try and stay out of trouble yeah have a good week everyone bye and you've been listening to two medics and one mic with imran lasker and Thrusha gurwana thank you for listening